0: presentation. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Florida Sound Archive podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kaiser, and for today's episode... We have brought together three members of a 80s Miami hardcore punk band, chocolate grasshopper. We've got Brent Wilson, who was on guitar and vocals. We have Mike Weatherill, who was on bass. And we have Andre Serafini, who was on the drums. Hey, guys, welcome into the podcast. How are you? Good, Thanks
1: for having us. Thanks a lot.
0: It's a pleasure to have you all on. This seems to be an episode that a lot of people maybe secretly have been wanting because when it came out, there was a lot of interest and a lot of people really excited to know that finally the story of Chocolate Grasshopper would be told because there's not a lot out there on the internet. So let's kind of get right down to it and talk about. The early beginnings of the band. What do you remember? Who started it? Let's go back to that period.
1: We were all skateboarders. Let's not forget, we were all vert skaters. And we were all tight through that whole community. And when you were a vert skater, you had to pay and work on the ramp. It was almost like you had to sign a contract because it was a very, very well-made ramps, very well-maintained. And we were all in that exact genre. So uh, basically, and I I don't know if you guys will agree, we had a friend named Allie Lozoff. And I asked her once if she had any friends that were musicians. And she said she did. And it was actually a guy named Jesse and a guy named Evan. And we started FWA right there. Foy was a band that we later still played with. I mean, I'm sure Quid even played with them, or I think they did. Did you ever, Andre? Yeah, yeah, we did for sure. I mean, they're still around, which is really neat. But the point is, it was the three of us, and then there was a falling out. Something happened, and I, 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 tr- you know, I immediately thought of these guys right here, especially with Ray. Immediately, Ray was actually in Foie with me, and we said, "Look, let's get Andre and Brent," and we jumped in, and that, and you know, we had great experience right away at Third Eye Studios, which is probably where we first got together. I'm, I'm not sure about if that was it. You guys have to refresh my memory, but I think, I think it was. Yeah, it was right over here on Coral Way. I actually live about a mile from it still. And it was a little tiny hole in the wall run by two brothers, Angel. And uh the other one I think was George, I think, but they were great guys and they, they made it happen for us. And we were on a tight budget, you know, and uh we were able to get, get it done. And uh, you know, I want, you know, I don't know if you guys agree with that start. Uh, let me know.
2: Yeah, totally. I mean, Ray was a little bit older than us. He was a, a regular at Flynn's Ocean 71. And uh, I know Mike and I went to a few matinee shows at Flynn's. Um, yeah. And we definitely all had skateboarding in common. And that that was the common thread that brought us all together. So I
1: totally agree, Mike. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, after we, you know, we got really lucky. I remember one night I was, uh, I was waiting for a friend at a place on the beach called the News Café. It was on Lincoln Road Mall. It was a very trendy, artsy place. And I'm skateboarding, you know, at night. And I look over and I see Bob Slade from WDNA. He had a show on Sunday nights called Off the Beaten Path. He was sitting at a table with a gentleman with full sleeves and real long hair. He turned out to be the bass player for TSOL. And I went over to him knowing that it could be inappropriate. He could have said, get out of here, you dirty skater. But I went over there and I said, Mr. Slade, how you doing? Uh, My name is Mike. I have a skate band called Chocolate Grasshopper. And I'd like you to hear it. And he goes, well, call me at this, you know, call me at this number and I'll check it out. And I go, well, actually, sir, I got our demo tape right here on a cassette. And he goes, well, let me check it out. And he checked it out and immediately, and so did the other gentleman. They both liked it. And basically were instrumental in getting us, you know, one of our first cameo gigs. It was because of this guy, Bob Slade. He was very instrumental and a, and a nice guy for sure. Where do you remember the band name originating from? Uh, I, we all agreed. And, and you know, let me say something, too, that, you know, Andre says that he was the drummer and, and that, you know, I was only the bass player. But let me tell you something. Brent really is the one that took off with any kind of marketing that we had. You know, I got lucky with that little thing with the cameo, but we also had another friend that helped us a lot from a great band. Okay. His name was Dave. uh, They called him Dave Damage. Okay. And he was in a band who had already made, you know, a name for themselves. uh, Very good. And uh, man, now it's going to slip my mind. Hold on a second. Rugged Edge, Rugged Edge. Very good band. Okay, and this guy gave us some of our big breaks at the very beginning, also. But Brent was the one that kind of he came up with partying with Bearhead. We all agreed on the name. I don't know how we did, but then he got people to make you know logos up this and that. And he really went out there and you know did a good job of that stuff. So
2: that was a time in the the punk and hardcore scene where uh, New York hardcore was was really popular and. Everybody was trying to be hard and from the streets, and that's just not who we are. We're nerds, man. We're uh, we're anything but tough. And so we we deliberately we threw a bunch of different names around, and we wanted a name that that was not tough, that just didn't reflect. I and mean, we're, we were just skater boys. We were just nerds, and we just love punk rock. And so you know, twenty twenty in hindsight, I'm not sure it was the best name ever for a band, but it achieved that purpose at least.
0: It's original. It's original name. I don't think there's any other band out there, and at least not to my knowledge. There might be. I don't know. Who knows? Right. Uh, but uh the 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 demo tape partying with beardhead.
3: Yeah, He was, yes. was a guy we knew. It was just like a this acquaintance that was a cool dude, and he had this big shaggy hair. Remember, his hair was like thicker than hell, like and yeah, uh, and that's why we called a bearhead, I think it was.
2: Yeah, he showed up at school in high school. He showed up one day, and he he had like Andre said, this giant amount of hair that he shaved off, and so his his head was like corduroy, and it was uh, Robin Collier that came up with the name Bearhead because his his head felt like a teddy bear, you know, and so he just we just started calling him Bearhead. But yeah, David
1: Martinez, exactly. Yeah, he's a good guy.
0: And on on the same tape, there's a song in Flamella. That also appeared on a flaw recording too. So what is the story about that song and why does it appear on both bands' as, uh recordings?
1: Mike, you want to take that one? <laughs> yeah, originally flaw song. You know, they still play it to this day.
0: And then um, what, and then what happened? Did you just bring it over to the chocolate grasshopper and want to play it and put it on the put it on the, the demo too? Like why did it make it over it to both bands?
1: maybe an homage to Jesse, you know, he deserves it. You know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, back then we had, you know, a lot of the songs we wrote, we, we uh, no, I don't think anybody uh, uh, didn't write a song. All the guys, all of us uh, wrote lyrics and stuff at one point. And, and, uh, you know, we were always really, it was all really easy about that, you know, went well for sure.
0: And on that note, what was that process like? Where did you guys kind of come together? Where did you write a lot of the songs that were on the demo?
2: Great compromiser. I
3: literally wrote the lyrics to that song on the toilet. And <laughs> hey, those are damn fine lyrics. I, I got to
2: add there. <laughs> you can tell I was constipated when I wrote it. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Third Eye Studios is pretty much where we we got together and jammed and worked through stuff. Uh, those guys, yeah, Mike mentioned those guys, they were great to us. They really they took a liking to us and kind of took us under their wing and Helped us out with recording and stuff. It was great because I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing.
1: Absolutely. They were great. They were real good guys. And uh, Ray kept in touch with them, you know, but it's been years. I'm sure it's been, you know, decades now. But definitely helped us out. Like I said, there was a couple of just we got really lucky breaks. And uh, we we got really lucky, Jeff, because we had you know, we had such a skateboarding infrastructure. So you had maybe, you know, 50 or 70 kids that would go to the ramp, that would go, you know, go to the jams and stuff here and there and stuff like that. So we kind of had a built-in audience. We really got lucky. And uh, the guy I mentioned before, uh, Dave Damage, may he rest in peace. Uh, we played a big show with him. And I don't know if you guys remember, he let us finish the show uh, where we were not supposed to. We were supposed to open for him. He said, forget it. You guys are closing. We later did that once for Floyd We did that for Jesse. You know, we wanted to pay respect, you know. And I didn't have to even ask you guys, you guys would have immediately agreed with it. You know, we weren't egotistical. We had a lot, a lot of problem uh, with skinheads. I'm sure you guys remember they were, you know, they, they would kind of, you know, harass a lot of our fans and stuff. And, you know, it was unfortunate, but things happen, you know.
0: Andre, you have played in a lot of bands over the years. Was Chocolate Grasshopper the first band that you ever played with?
3: Chocolate Grasshopper was the first band and I, you know, I, I think I was the youngest. I just remember, you know, being super young skater really into like, you know, Judas Priest and, you know, met ACDC and these guys really introduced me to punk rock. I mean, even though I skated and I was, I was exposed to, you know, like JFA and, you know, the agent orange and that stuff. But like, it wasn't till I, as a drummer i was a new drummer i hadn't been playing drums long at all and i didn't even know how to play the like a punk beat i was like trying to play a rock and roll beat they're like no 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 play it like this i'm like you want me to do a polka beat fast and they're like yeah do that and and i and it's just so funny because they these guys totally introduced me to a world i i didn't really know and it's such a big scale because those can that cameo show i mean those were big shows like we were like instantly playing in front of you know a couple hundred people and and just the energy and and just raging pits you know and it, and it just blew my mind it just said this is the fucking shit you know and it it really created my whole my whole path you know it because of this band i i i you know i that i got into quit and then the other bands i've been in and it just you know music's really been my whole
0: life because of kind of because of this band what do you remember about the very first show you ever played as a band?
1: Was it at a skate ramp? I don't remember. Was it, was it at, uh, shoot, I was, can't remember. Was it Best Client's House? It, it could have been. It could have been. There was sure. a
2: party at Best Client's House. That might have been it.
1: Yep, I think you're right. And, uh, yep, absolutely. But soon after that, it was, it was literally, if you guys don't remember, it was straight from there to the cameo.
0: That's a pretty big that's a that's a pretty big jump. So what do you think was the main reason why you went from playing a house party to playing a place like the Cameo? Was there someone that was advocating for your band to get you on that stage?
1: Absolutely. The guy Bob Slade, Bob Slade was very instrumental and he helped us en- enormously. He had a lot of pull this guy. And uh very grateful to him. I wish I, you know, I'd like to reach out to him cuz seriously, he really You know, and again, guys, if I if I have something wrong, please, uh, you know, step in and let me know. But I just remember going from a party to the cameo. We never played Churchill's. You know, it was yeah, it was quite a jump. It was for sure.
2: I think having the demo was instrumental. I mean, the guys at at Third Eye Studios uh, cut us a lot of slack financially and having a demo where we could give people a cassette and say, look, you know, we're we're, we're trying pretty hard at this and we're legit. And um, I think it, it, it opened the door for us and gave us opportunities we wouldn't have had without that demo, because otherwise we would have just been other, this other, you know, gang of teenage skateboarders trying to bang on some instruments. That demo definitely helped.
1: Definitely, definitely. For sure.
0: How quickly did that demo sell when you started to play some of these shows, especially when you started playing the cameo? Well we literally
2: the, the demo cassettes I would literally duplicate in my bedroom um, and then we would play shows and they would they would sell out I mean we're not talking thousands but you know maybe a hundred there was a second generation that went into rotation after the fact too but I mean yeah the the local people were super supportive man it was it was cool it was really cool absolutely
1: you guys remember we would actually use a couple of our skater buddies. As security, Uh, Dan Pollack and Rick Jarvis are still very good friends. And uh, they were security. It was funny, but they did a good job, too. Actually, we had another friend of mine. He probably was scary to most of my friends. His name was Chris Ruth. May he rest in peace.
2: Yeah. Well, I remember when Britney Spears tried to grab Andre and we had to slap her, uh, (laughs) our our security guys. So, yeah, that was great. (laughs) I was
3: I was wanting that grab. (laughs)
0: you know for a local band like that to have security what was going on at that time what were the crowds like and what do you remember about some of the most intense moments when you all were playing
2: there was a lot of violence at shows
1: back then a lot i mean it was it was bad yeah we we would have people literally we'd walk them out to their car sometimes because there was a little group of guys that were very misguided and they were you know a lot of stuff happened, but we, we were lucky. I had a kid one night come and, like, literally swing on me. He probably weighed about 90 pounds. I didn't even touch him. I just kind of, you know, kind of guided him down to the ground so I could hold him. But I never hit him, nothing. And later the story came that I beat up five skinheads. That never happened. That never actually happened. It was just the way it was back then, you know, the stories and stuff. But, you know uh any any music at that time was going to attract that element there's no way to get around it
0: yeah i was gonna say andre with you being behind the drum kit what was your view like having seeing all that just being behind the drums freaking terrified actually
3: made me want to i had to bring it it's like i had to play
1: with energy and power or i was going to get killed it was awesome humble kid you have no idea and like i said i'm not joking If Brent and I would do a one-foot air on the ramp, Andre would do a five-foot air.
0: Oh, yeah. Andre for the win, for sure, on skateboarding. And uh, Brent, you were going to add something as well to
2: that story? Oh, yeah. That was a period of time where, you know, a lot of us were going to the cameo to see bands and listen to music. Uh, There was a contingent at the time that would go there, not to see bands or listen to music, but specifically to fight. And that was their idea of entertainment. And it, it, you know... there's that minor threat song it follows and I, I really appreciate that song because basically the thesis is that punk rock really is no different than any other genre or social click you know you got the jocks you got the prom queens and um, that that song at the time really hit home because i was trying to get away from all that with punk rock and skateboarding and I would go to the cameo and, and you know, it wasn't like that. When we used to go to, we went to a show at the Brockway at the at U.M. And we used to go to Flynn's for matinee shows. And even the early cameo shows, it was a really supportive, cool vibe. Yeah, if somebody yeah. fell down in the pit, they would get picked up. And it got, it got to a point in the mid to late 80s where, man, people were just out for blood. And it sucked. Not going to lie. Not going to candy coat it. It sucked.
0: One of the early promoters that uh, I had on the podcast on a previous episode, Richard Shelter, who, yeah. had bro- who had brought a lot of punk rock and alternative music to South Florida in the 80s. Did you all get a chance to work with him or have any shows that he promoted for you? Any stories about Richard?
1: We know him. I mean, we know him. But the thing is, we we really got lucky and we really didn't. We, it's not that we didn't need him, but it was like, you know, until... Until the band dissolved, we, we had our gigs and, you know, uh, everybody was happy. You know, I listen, I think we all agreed that we wish he had gone farther. But guess what? It turned into a, a really a couple of really good bands as well. Quit and Radon. So, you know, uh, it was but it was, you know, again, like uh, Andre said earlier, just a wonderful time. And, you know, we're, we were very lucky. We were in the right place at the right time. And uh, we had a lot of fun.
0: The Cameo was one of the places that you played, right? What other venues around town? I think you mentioned uh, there could have been some others that were around at that time, like Flynn's. Did you get a chance to play other places? If so, what stand out to you in South Florida? Yeah, a couple
2: of we, house parties in the Cameo. I don't think we played anywhere else, did we? Yeah, the, the
1: house parties. The house parties. Yeah. yeah, Cameo. I want to say the Cameo three times. You agree, Brent? The muscular dystrophy, blast and maybe one or two more. I'm not exactly sure. Uh, it's foggy, but uh, if I can also correspond eventually with George Van Orsdale. He, he will have a little more uh, uh, info maybe for me. I, I should have done that, but I, I, can, uh, I can check on that.
0: When you were playing some of the house parties, were there other local bands that were sharing those parties with you? If so, who were some of those bands that come to mind?
2: Uh, well, uh, Mike already mentioned Foie. We played with them a lot. Uh, there was another great local band called Cultural Brain Rot um, that were friends of ours that we played with. Really good guys. A um, uh, friend of ours, John Barry, was the guitar player. We I th- we played a house party at John, John Barry's house, if memory serves.
1: Absolutely did. And I have to say that he, uh, back to going to what Brent would do. Brent had an ingenious little thing that he did. A couple of our first parties... Maybe even the cameo, too. Uh, Brent had a friend, and the name of the band was very tricky. Remember, Brent? You have to remind me. This is not ringing a bell. The name of the band was Free Beer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I remember they were friends of yours, right, buddy? I mean, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. Nuclear Beer. Nuclear Beer is who you're thinking of. Nuclear yeah, beer. it was
2: uh, John Kennedy, Nuclear Beer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I forgot about those guys. Thank you for the reminder. Yeah. wasn't
3: not wasn't not dead yet playing at that time or was that later oh, no you're exactly right
2: not dead yet that's that's george van orge's band. band yeah yeah and uh, we played with them a lot too i think we played at least one house party was at brian bender's house uh, yeah. on, on the half pipe um but yeah not dead yet another great local hardcore band good guys
1: yeah. too really good guys really good absolutely
0: how would you describe the differences between a house party show and a show at the cameo when it came to the audience and the way that you all approached a show like that?
1: Well, I, I was the oldest one pretty much. So, and I'm, I guess I'm an egomaniac, maybe or whatever. I, I think the guys will agree. I kind of, you know, didn't take over, but I made it where, the, uh, if you guys remember, we made money on a couple gigs at the cameo theater. i I want to say, you know, we paid everybody and still walked away with two or three hundred bucks each. Would you guys remember that?
3: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just the drummer. I didn't get any money. I no, think.
1: True, Andre. Like you weren't <laughs> supposed to say anything. <laughs> uh, you, you well, it was. We actually paid the, the bouncers. You know, we paid the other bands. They were ecstatic. So it was nice to be able to do something like that because again we pulled the kids in because of the popularity, of the band, and skateboarding. And the you know the cute guitar players.
2: I have to agree with you there.
0: <laughs> That's funny. How didn't you all decide on when to stop playing together?
1: Well, I was very, very upset with the the fighting and stuff. I mean, do you guys do you guys remember that? I mean, oh, oh yeah.
2: It was a real buzzkill, man.
1: Yeah, yeah. We would we would have a show and do a like have a great turnout blah, blah, blah. You'd go out in front of the cameo and there'd be a bunch of blood on the sidewalk. Right, guys? Yeah, literally. And uh, I don't want to go into it and name names or anything, but it was definitely about five of these kids were really, really misguided, man. And it was it was sad. And uh, I literally remember saying, that's it, guys. I'm done. I sold all my, my gear that was, you know, big bass rig and stuff like that. And I kind of started like an acoustic band. I think the name was God's Word. We played a little couple gigs at the Junkyard here and there yesterday and today's records. But the thing that's important is that these two guys went on to do really, really good bands, man, with Quit and Radon. I'm really proud of Andre and Brent for doing that. They immediately went into it. It was kind of cute with Andre, too, because it was almost like his guys were waiting outside the door, you know, right? They just jumped into it right away and they kicked ass. Okay. These guys just kicked ass and they were the nicest and still are just the nicest guys, but you know, that's a whole other show, pal. Right.
0: (laughs) Brent, when you were getting connected with some of the Radon guys, did they have awareness of chocolate grasshopper considering that radon was formed in Gainesville, right? And yeah. chocolate grasshoppers in Miami. So although yes, yeah, still in Florida, if you know anything about Florida, that's a drive right between the two cities. So were they aware of chocolate grasshopper at that time? Yeah. Even though radon started in Gainesville, the, the guys
2: that we formed radon with that would be Dave Rome, and bill clower were actually old friends of mine from high school dave, dave roman and i've been friends since i was in seventh grade he was in eighth grade um and then so we already knew each other before we all moved up to gainesville and uh so yeah we had that history and um it just you know it was a really good fit awesome
3: and what about
0: you what about you andre did the quick guys know of chocolate grasshopper
3: uh, yeah, I mean Addison and and Russell for sure because they you know I knew them from skateboarding and we were still skateboarding at this time, and they yeah they were fans and it's funny quit quit would always uh we would bust out Great Compromiser quite often live <laughs>
1: nice and
3: Tony awesome. Tony T- well Tony was wasn't, wasn't in, into skateboarding he he was a he was a fan though so he Tony Tony knew of a uh, chocolate grasshopper but um yeah for sure Addison and 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 uh
1: Mofsky.
0: Oh yeah, Absolutely. yeah,
1: right
0: on. You know, Chocolate Grasshopper didn't leave a lot behind. I mean, there's a demo. There's some live stuff.
1: There's some
2: children we left behind. Mike. <laughs> <laughs> no, we. It was so different back then. There wasn't the internet. If you wanted to go record a demo, it was like thirty-five bucks an hour, which to us back then that was that was a lot of money. Um, so it was a lot. It was a lot harder back then. I think there were a lot of great bands that unfortunately never made it to never were never exposed to sunshine, you know. We were inspired by a lot of great local bands. I mean Amazing Grace was oh, a yeah. yeah and then also in North Florida there were some really great bands Roach Motel from Gainesville and Sector 4 from Tallahassee, uh Belching Penguin from Tampa Bay, um No Fraud from Sarasota. No Fraud was a huge influence. Great freaking band.
1: Amazing Grace ended up friends of ours and at one point we used to go to the kitchen club a lot and at one point they asked me to audition and I, I wish I had. I never really I never followed up on it. But they were they were a really good, really good band. I really liked them. Amazing Grace for sure. And great guys. Great guys. Uh the guy's brother ended up uh being Dave uh no Labrava on Sons of Anarchy. That's the old way. Uh, yeah, he's the old bouncer at the kitchen club. His his stage name is uh dave labrava but his real name is uh dave lambert
2: oh right on
0: wow didn't yeah. know that
2: i have a great no fraud story i have to share with you guys so Chuck grass ever breaks up i move up to gainesville i live in this total crust punk house there's like eight of us sleeping on the floor my rent was literally my rent was 37 dollars 50 a month no fraud plays my bedroom and Dan Destructo asked me if I can take over vocals. So I, I have pictures. I need to send you these pictures, Jeff, of me singing while No Fraud plays in my bedroom in Gainesville. It was freaking epic. Wow.
0: <laughs> and, you know, speaking of No Fraud, I kind of let the cat out of the bag right now. But Dan Destructo will be coming on the podcast this year as well. So. Hell Yeah. Hopefully, those that are No Fraud fans. Uh, if you're not, hopefully, you'll become one because uh, No Fraud is one of the most important punk rock bands, I would say, in Florida history, without a doubt. So that should be pretty pretty amazing. Uh, Andre, were you going to a lot of those shows too? Considering that uh, that you know you you know b- back in that period, you know you were just getting into the whole punk rock thing, right? So were you going to a lot of those crazy shows too back then?
3: I wasn't going to as many shows as the other guys but i was really getting into skateboarding at the time like i was starting to you know do skate competitions and i would see you no know, fraud playing at you know like uh cambodia you know that skate uh, ramp cambodia like uh, skate fests um in lakeland like i was i was hitting all of those tournaments and uh seeing them there but um yeah that's that's kind of how i was getting exposed to more more of those bands
0: okay and you all, because you were skaters, right? What was some of the worst injuries that you remember experiencing in the height of your skating years? Uh, I've injured pretty much everything. Um, <laughs> these guys are saying, oh, yeah, Andre would,
1: would go higher and
3: stuff. But, man, I'm feeling that, it now. You're... Different,
1: different level of uh, pain for Andre, seriously. We didn't get hurt because we had pads on and helmets. But, seriously, he he was going considerably higher. and And, yeah, he'd get busted up more than we would for sure
2: i injured my left knee and it wasn't a big deal except i got sepsis i didn't take care of it and it got infected and i got sepsis and spent three weeks in the hospital in about i think that was 1986. 1985-1986. yeah Yeah. Uh, you know from what
3: from from what i recall back then with this band like when we like you know skating like you didn't change the way you skated in this band i remember with when quit started getting busier we we couldn't we we couldn't skate Cause we would get, if we got hurt, we, you know, we couldn't play. We had so many shows lined up, but in, in chocolate grasshopper, like everybody was just going for it. it. Didn't matter. It was just yeah, raw and intense.
1: Yeah. Great times.
0: Thinking about your families at this time, right? Your parents, your siblings, did they ever get a chance to see chocolate grasshopper? Were they aware of what was even going on at that time? Yeah. I remember when
2: we, when we did the demo,
0: I played it for my dad and I said, what
2: do you think dad? He says, you know, it sounds as good as any of that other crap that comes out of your bedroom so i guess it's all right <laughs>
1: so, i, I my, took that as a compliment <laughs> my brother and his wife came to a show and it kind of scared them. but they showed up and you know uh they made it happen but yeah it was you know but again there was a big mosh pit going on so it was a little intimidating to some people yeah i don't
3: i don't think my my family knew or saw about it i mean it, I, I I don't remember, but I don't think so. Well, and for sure, I would tell them about it now. Your brother?
1: Oh, no. I think your my brother,
3: brother
0: went. went. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So your brother, your brother Andre knew knew the band. Was he coming out to some of the shows? From what you can remember, I, I don't really remember, but I guess Mike's got
3: a better better memory than he, than me right. on that. But but for sure, I, I could see my brother maybe coming out to a show, going, "What okay. the hell is this?" <laughs>
0: right. Over the years, was there ever any talk? about doing any kind of reunion.
1: Yeah. a serious talk. You know, it'd have to be, you know, we'd have to, the, the big thing is Brent. Brent's in another part of the country right now.
2: Well, so. I, I live in Sarasota part-time now, buddy.
1: Oh, so. okay. Oh, yeah. I, I think
2: we're due,
3: I think we're due for one. I think it's about time.
1: Well, it's up to y'all. I would like, just like this interview, if you guys agree with something, count me in. I kind of have a stupid schedule. I work in theater, but we'll make it work. And look who'd be behind the sound of it. Excuse me, Andre, which couldn't go Yeah, we... I want to share something real quick, though, because I don't know if Brent knows about this. Brent, if you remember, we were supposed to open for Suicidal. I think it was like 85. You remember?
2: Uh, I remember we were supposed to open for Youth of Today. And Brent. couldn't. Yeah. Okay.
1: Suicidal definitely fell through. We were, of course, disappointed. I'm watching old episodes of Miami Vice a couple of years ago. And they show up in 1985 on Miami Vice, playing at Club New, playing their famous song. Uh, you know, I couldn't have a Pepsi. Yeah. So, I forgive them for for not showing up because look what they did. They kind of had a bigger gig lined up. There's Rob Weir's in a bunch of those episodes. Yep. Cool. Yeah good times yeah
0: there were a lot of bands that came through at that time was there anyone in particular national or even a local band that you just wanted to share the stage with but never had the opportunity to do so
2: bad brains best live band i've ever
1: seen holy crap they were good we would have we would have been thrilled yeah i agree with that we'd see them a lot right friend they came through a lot yeah yeah,
2: they they played the cam- one of the first shows of the cameo was Bad Brains after they put out Rock for Light. And uh, man, that was that was the best show I've ever seen. Amazing.
0: Yeah. And what about what about locally? Were there any local bands that maybe maybe you missed them? Maybe they came before Toplet Grasshopper or they came after the band broke up or maybe it was during the period that you all existed. Was there a local band that you wish you would have played a, a show with? I don't think we ever played with Amazing Grace. They were they were definitely a huge influence. I don't think we ever play, shared a stage with
1: those guys, right? No, I, but, you know, I think we would have if we had continued, and I agree. with. That would have been one of the ones I agree that I would have liked to have, yeah, definitely been associated with. They were great guys. They had a great sound.
2: Yeah. Really. We got to play yeah. with the Drills. They were a really good
1: band. We got to play with those guys, but Amazing Grace would be my choice for sure. Absolutely. In fact, I'm still in touch with uh, the guy from the Drills is Greg Dawson. He's actually right in the in the business with me. He's a lighting guy. He's actually touring right now with Jeff Toll Oh, right on.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they were a great band. The Drills are one of those, one of those other bands that uh, when you talk to people from that period, that name comes up often, but a lot of people don't know of the Drills at the same time. So what is it about the Drills that you think was really important to you growing up in South Florida?
2: I, I would say that they were a band that – you know, the drills did not fuck around. They were they were a serious band. I mean, those guys had their shit together. They practiced. They were tight. You could tell they wanted to make a living of it. And I think they ended up moving to Los Angeles, if I'm not mistaken. They were the real deal. I mean, they had yeah. a work ethic. You know, you, you didn't see that a lot of the time.
1: And, and uh I want to say another one, like I said, that we played with that was really good was Rugged Edge. Rugged Edge. Yeah. And what a big... He he was real good to us that uh Dave. Loved him. Great guy. And also Nuclear Valdez. They were good guys too. Uh I yeah. worked actually worked with Juan Valdez at Peaches back then over there uh kind of by Daydeland. He was a great guy. And they they really they went in on to do quite some stuff. They ended up getting on MTV, I think. So, yeah, they, yeah, they did. did, yeah. They definitely yeah. did. Great guys, too. Great guys
0: feel like they were one of the earliest bands, at least from my recollection, from the Miami area that had a video on MTV. I agree.
1: I agree. And then the Mavericks. The Mavericks were right, right behind them. Right. Yep. Right. Yep.
0: Yeah. It's, I, I think when you think about the the legacy of Chocolate Grasshopper, you all although didn't play a ton of shows, right? But the shows that you did play uh, left their mark because a lot of people have still very fond memories of that that period and also thinking about where you went after the band dissolved so if there was one thing you took away from the chocolate grasshopper experience that still sticks with you to this day what would that one thing be for you personally
1: three three great guys and a guy that could be an asshole sometimes (laughs) these guys were great they were they were all Mm -hmm. just nicest humblest cool kids you know, me and Ray were older than them. So and Ray, you know, Ray has a lot to put into this, too. But definitely, yes, a great camaraderie. That's what I remember for sure.
2: Totally agree. Totally agree. Except for the asshole part. But yeah, I mean, one of the things I loved about Chocolate Grasshopper is we we did not take ourselves seriously. We were deliberately goofy. And, you know, the thing is, is it, at the end of the day, it should be all about the music. And, it, you know, nothing else really matters except for your, you know, your, your friends in the band. But you know, very few people make a living at this, and so if you're not doing it for fun, why are you doing it? You know. So in that respect, it was a great experience for me. Absolutely.
0: And Andre, what about you? Oh man,
2: just a
3: you know enlightening springboard to my whole career after, and just you know being uh, the uh, having that opportunity to jump in with a band of with a you know these guys, m- amazing musicians. You know, giving me the chance as a young <laughs> young drummer barely playing out. Uh it was awesome. It was great times. I, I wish I, I really wish the band played, you know, we, we had a little bit longer run. I, I remember when we did break up, it was like, man, that sucks. This was just like just getting going, you know. It, yeah. it was short-lived. Um, but hey, I'm all for doing another show or anytime you guys want to. I'm absolutely 100 percent Right on, dude. All right, count me in.
1: Uh, All right, absolutely.
0: Cheers. All right, gentlemen. Well, thanks again for taking the time to share the story today about Chocolate Grasshopper. We'll kind of just go around. Any any final words you want to share to fans, supporters, uh, anyone out there that we uh, have a quick shout out to? I'll turn it over to whoever wants to start us off.
3: Keep creating. Keep listening to music. Punk will never die. That's the best thing about. The punk scene—it just keeps going. It's awesome.
2: Yeah, I—I I just the friendships that I've made with these guys and and the friends that were part of our circle of friends—we're we're all still friends today. And I want to thank everybody involved for giving me some of the best years of my life and some great memories. And if you give a crap about Chocolate Grasshopper, at this point, man, thank you.
1: Definitely, man. I really appreciate all you guys, and it's real nice to to uh, look over these memories and stuff. And looking forward to it, man. Thanks again. Yeah. And, uh, Thank you to you, Jeff. Great job and we appreciate it. And I want to thank my buddy Lykis, who's a young, a young up and coming punk rocker, because he kind of influential in this. Okay. So thanks again, guys.
0: Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Much appreciated. And thank you for the opportunity to get a chance to document this in your own words, uh, because it's really important that uh, we're able to share the story of the band. Because again, not a lot of information out there. So today's episode really gave us the opportunity to open up a bit more about the history and the legacy of the bands, the stories, the things that also place, but also potentially one more show. We shall see. All right, gentlemen, have a fantastic rest of your day and take care. Thanks, man. Thanks guys. Take care.
2: Good to see you, everybody. Likewise, my friend. Peace.